Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi, everyone. Before we start this very special final episode of the second season, we wanted to share some really exciting news. We've hit some great milestones last year from reaching our first 10,000 listens to getting Front Row Insurance to sponsor the podcast with a discount code. For those of you who don't know, Front Row Insurance Brokers arranges film production insurance to cover the risks associated with your production. I know a lot of you guys make indie content or have your own gear, and Front Row Insurance has you covered. Whether it be a budget of $2,000 or $200 million, they'll have your production insurance solutions. Not only do they cover short films, but features, series, docs, commercials, music videos, web series, any content created by you can be covered. We know that accidents, human errors, mistakes, they all happen on set sometimes. But as a producer, knowing that you're protected if they do means that you can focus on filming the movie. I used Front Row Insurance for the Run and Gun film last year in 2022. We knew we wanted some crazy stunts, but because it's Run and Gun, we didn't really know what they were. Front Row Insurance were quick to work with us in providing the best solutions that made sure if anyone got hurt on set, we'd all be protected. To get $25 off short-term film production insurance, use the coupon code Credits 25 off That's capital B-I-P-O-C. C small letters R E D I T S dollar sign two five O F F. Enter the code on step four of the short term production insurance portal at shortshoot.frontrowinsurance.com. And if you didn't get all that, don't worry. You can also find all this information on our Instagram account. This code will work for all of Canada except Quebec, Ontario, Saskatchewan, and New Brunswick. Thank you all for listening, and here's our show. If you didn't figure out the issues, if you didn't plan out the whole shoot, there would be no shoot. This is BIPOC Credits, a podcast highlighting BIPOC crew members working in the BC film industry. Listen in to stories from behind the scenes of your favorite films and TV shows. Together, let's celebrate the progress we've seen so far in becoming a more diverse film industry. Plus, learn how you can be a part of the BC film industry. Here's your host, Andy Wong. Hello, welcome to today's episode of BIPOC Credits. Today we have a very special episode um, because we will actually be interviewing me. Uh, and here I have my producer of BIPOC Credits, Nightingale here, to do the actual interviewing. Introduce yourself. 
Hi, I'm Nightingale. I go by she, her pronouns, and I'm the producer of BIPOC Credits, as what Andy said already. Andy, congrats, obviously, on the second season of BIPOC Credits. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I mean, it's a mutual collaboration between the two of us that we were able to, you know, do all of these episodes. So thank you. How does it feel to be on this side of the interview? <laughs> Definitely strange. Uh, a lot more nerve wracking in a way. Now you know how your guests feel. I know. I was just going to say that. I was like, uh, now, now I know how my guest feels. And I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> Speaking about interviews and guests, like, what was it like whenever you interviewed your guests? Because like, I'm sure it must have been inspiring to hear their perspectives. And has it influenced how you view various subject matters like diversity, equality, inclusion, or even like how it even like influenced your perspective of the film industry and whatnot whenever you interviewed your guests? For sure. I, I've, I've learned a lot from, my, from the guests that we've uh, had on the show. Sometimes you'll have like contrasting ideas on this podcast. Um, for example, uh, um, it was interesting to hear how the diversity in the, the stunts department uh, was actually making it more difficult for casting because requiring appropriate representation sometimes meant that um, bigger risks would be taken to bring on like a newer stunt person. In that department, training is so important in order to uh, ensure the safety of the people working on in that department. Um, whereas like, you know, other departments, you know, finding appropriate representation, like, you know, for example, if you're working with a black um, actress, hiring a black uh, makeup artist is really important because you want that appropriate representation. Um, or someone who's like educated in working with black textures and like, you know, POC skin tones. Yeah, at the very least, right? Mm -hmm. And and so I guess I found that dichotomy really interesting. You know, this this is a really challenging conversation. So has there been like, I wouldn't say an interview, but has there been a moment where you felt super inspired by one of our guests and it kind of changed like how you approached, I guess, your everyday life in film? Honestly, uh, I think the one thing that's like stuck with me ever since the very beginning, very first interview that we've had was with Ingo and Amy uh, talking about mumble, rumbles, and grumbles. Um, to this day, like even you can ask like the people that I work with, I, I mention it all the time. And I like, you know, take that philosophy and um, use it to keep my head cooler. Like, I don't freak out about things that I feel like isn't really important. Thereby, I'm allowed to use that energy to... Um, bring on to the, the the problems that are actually more important. And I think that's really helped me in um, in my career, but also like in my everyday life. Yeah, that's yeah. great. It's good to know like a lot of the advice like doesn't just stay in film. It can also just translate into like the everyday life as well. Because I think totally, sometimes people yeah. get so caught up in like film and it's like films are whole life. And it's like, no, there is a life outside of film if you just step out of it. Yeah, exactly. 
on this podcast, we talk a lot about leadership and what it means to be a great leader. Uh, and because of that, like that's, that's a skill that you can kind of take in every industry, right? Well, speaking about leadership, like the podcast recently has become kind of like a leader building its own community and just We've become media sponsors now, from what I hear. <laughs> I mean, you you know this. Yeah, we've become <laughs> media sponsors. Um, yeah, we've become media sponsors for like a few organizations, which has been incredible. And thank you for those guys. Uh, yeah, never would have thought that we would have gotten that kind of recognition. Or a little community of people. We thank everyone yeah. who like support us and respond to our posts and everything. So yeah, did you exactly. always have like a sense of community or did you ever anticipate like this podcast would be some sort of like community network? I don't think I always had this like community driven philosophy because I started out as an actor. I felt like, you know, I had to try to figure out my way to break into the acting scene, which sometimes can be a pretty like lonely journey it's easier to make it in this career if you have a community. Why I wanted to create this community of BIPOC credits is because when I was younger um, in the acting scene uh, and even like, you know, in the film scene, I, I didn't feel like there was much of a sense of community in the Vancouver indie film scene, or at least not that I was a part of, especially one that was like BIPOC focused. Now that I'm like, you know, in a position where I'm able to create something like this and I have the connection to do so, I wanted to create this. So like, does that like kind of like parallel with like your job as like an AD? Because I know that you need to know all the different departments and what pretty much goes on. And then even as an indie filmmaker, just to know what goes on. I think the uh, benefit of me being in AD working on this podcast is that as a second AD, you're constantly communicating with all the departments on set. You're able to, I guess, in a sense, make friends or make acquaintances with the people um, that are working in these departments and build a rapport with them. As an AD, you can say like your job on the set is you can think of it as like a bit of community building where you're the middleman that has to like talk to all the different departments and get them to like work with each other in a way. And same as producers and production managers as well. I think those, all three of those roles kind of like are super similar with each other, I think. So like just basically knowing a bit of like each role, like it basically helped you be a better AD, right? Because like that was you when you were first starting in the film industry, you were kind of just floating around until being an AD kind of suited you best. Oh man. Yeah. So I, uh, I've been, a have been a, in electrics. I've been in grips. I've uh, done a bit of sound. Have you done costumes? Have I done costumes? Only in like short films. Um, I've definitely like had experience doing costumes and set deck and all that stuff, but that's more in like independent world and uh and the short films in like union world i've i've actually done like sound and you know lx and grips like those were the three departments that i kind of went between um because i uh pa just didn't pay enough for me <laughs> it was about the money at that point well paing is the gateway okay definitely is the gateway if it paid better we would all be pas okay let's be real here yeah 
Yeah, but and and you know, like what Mark said on this on this show, like you know, PAs are PAs definitely deserve more money too. Like they they work they work so much um, harder than people give them credit for. Yeah, that's why it's such a transitional job because like it pays so little that you want to get out of it right away. But then the problem is that people are always demanding we need decent PAs, and it's like how can you ask for decent PAs when you don't pay decently? Well, exactly, exactly. Anyway, so I want to go back because it is close to the holidays. Or uh-huh. well, I guess when this episode's released, it's a little after the holidays. But I want to go back to the first time you're working on a Hallmark. Because what people don't really know is that Hallmarks, those films get churned out really quickly. Even filming time is really quick. So I'm sure that you learned really quickly how to grow as a filmmaker. I'm sure you acquired a lot of skills in a streamlined fashion to help you with your creative projects. Let's talk about your first time as from Hallmark and then transitioning to your creative, personal creative work. Technically, I um, started with my personal creative works and then started getting into Hallmarks. Uh, I think Hallmark is a really great way to move up quickly in the industry. Um, like move up career wise, right? Because move like up career the, wise, because yeah. it's only like two and a half weeks, right? And then you just well, move on to yeah. The one well, week. technically three weeks. It's like fifteen days usually is one shoot, and so um, you know once that's over, you have technically a show under your belt as whatever position you're in, um, and because of that, you know the more uh, it, if you finish one show in one department and you're like, oh, this doesn't really suit me then you can, you know, next time you can find another department that you can, that you can try going into. Um, and because it's only a three week commitment, like you're able to flip flip flop like that, um, and try different things out. Uh, and then if you want to move up, um, the reason why it's, uh, you know, easier in the Hallmark world is because a lot of people do a bit of Hallmark and then go into the union world because Hallmarks, you know, you know, don't pay as much. And then also, like, I think some people find the, you know, types of shows not as inspiring or motivating, um, which is why they want to, like, you know, get onto the the bigger shows and and the shows that they got into film wanting to make, which is fair in that sense, right? Um, not but, that we're discriminating, like maybe someone was inspired by a Hallmark movie and they want to get into film spreading totally. Christmas cheer. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And honestly, like the, the benefit about Hallmark movies and working in those productions is that it's pretty consistent. If you want to stay in Hallmark and you're good, the, the people who work in Hallmark will really treasure that and value that. And that's where the consistency comes from. Uh, because these production uh, houses, uh, they have really consistent work. Uh, Lighthouse, Front Street, and uh, Timeless now too. Their docket every year is like basically packed from January to December. Um, so uh, yeah, like there is a really consistent income coming out of those production companies. You know, some people can find it pretty relaxing. I I definitely do enjoy working Hallmark movies and feel the comfort of that consistency. Um, however, I also do
do understand wanting to work on cooler projects because I have worked on these like really big cooler projects. Like one of my favorite ones was uh, working on Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's a show from the 90s. I think it's the 90s or early 2000s, and I grew up with it. I watched it with my dad, and um, it's a it's like an anthology horror series. And when I got the opportunity to work on that show, uh, I revisited some of the same sets that scared me when I was a kid, and I'm like, this is so surreal. <laughs> I, you know, that excitement really comes out when you're working on projects that you really want to work on. Um, but sorry, circling back on um, your note of uh, you know, moving up in the Hallmark world and that transition. What happened to me was like I was starting out as a training AD as a TAD on one of the Hallmark movies. And then uh, the you know third AD I was working with um, ended up leaving the leaving Hallmarks and when it ended up like going into the very bigger productions, which meant I get to move over, you know, within like a few months. And then after that, the second AD kind of like went over to bigger productions. And so there we go. I got to jump up um, because uh, and like, you know, within a year or whatever. And because I've been consistently working those kind of shows, it wasn't difficult to understand what was required of me in that role. ADs in a nutshell is the center of communication. Um, as I mentioned earlier, to all the different departments, making sure that everyone who's working on this project is aware of what is needed in the script, including the cast and the crew members and producers, making sure everyone knows kind of what's going on day to day. That job is very similar to producers on the independent set. In fact, producers and PMs and second ADs all kind of like fall into a line of like that type of job of communication and making sure that the director uh, and the production has everything it needs. So what a good AD will do is foresee the shoes before anyone even mentions them. That's what a really strong AD does. And that is what um, people really loved about me when I was working on Hallmarks. And so the experience that I'm referring to right now is my experience as a producer on short films and ADing on like indie features. I think that getting those opportunities to produce, uh, whether it be shorts or with your friends or, you know, making um, run and gun films or anything like that, it's so helpful in becoming an assistant director because you put yourself in a position where if you didn't figure out the issues, if you didn't plan out the whole shoot, there would be no shoot, right? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. 
Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, so you you are in charge. And so if you go into a set as an assistant director with that mindset of what does this production need in order for the day to go smoothly, like you would your own personal projects, that's how you become a good AD. That is the, the main advice as a second, but even as a third and as a tad, um, I think the only difference is if you can go in with that mindset and if there's anything you don't understand or anything that jumps out at you but you're not sure about, that's what the people above you are, are there for. You're able to ask them. That's what um, you know. good seconds and good firsts want to see from a tad or a third is the ability to foresee those questions and ask them. The first AD and the second AD, they, we try our best, right? Like they, they try their best to make a really smooth day. But at the end of the day, like, you know, people mis make mistakes and miss things all the time. Um, there's only so many hours in the day to like, you know, catch little details and it takes so much to make a film. And so, Another set of eyes who actually know what they're looking for is incredibly important and uh, incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing like with all that experience in like Hallmarks and all those big shows, it's helped you like elevate your your own personal creative projects. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think I, I definitely feel like a stronger producer because of it. I, I will say, though, I think when you AD for too long, though, I think you eventually start to lose that creative drive a bit because you're working such long hours because you know every day is like you know 13 14 even longer days so you you don't really have the um time to uh be creative and and you know get into your own head and and find stories that you want to tell i think finding that balance between working on set in a logistical role and then finding time to be creative is still a very, it's still a challenge for me for sure. Yeah, that's the conversation I've had with a couple of other AD friends where they say like when they've done ADing so much it's not because they can't be creative but it's more like they know how to run a whole, run the engine where it's like they could be very methodical and then it's like if they're asked by the director like, I need you to be creative with me it's like 
my creative solutions are only solutions to make the show go. It's not creative. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I like to argue that there is creativity in trying to make the show go within the budget. Like, um, it's a different kind of creativity. Uh, it's not like, I, I think what writers have is the free-for-all creativity, right? The, 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 the creativity that um, you're not limited by anything. Um, where I find the the creative the creativity that is required as a, of a producer or a AD even sometimes is you are provided with a problem, such as the writer wants this really expensive gag. <laughs> uh, you know they want to shoot at a weed farm, for example, but it's going to cost them their entire budget. Um, so, so instead of a weed farm, what, what can you change this location to, or what can you change this plot point to so that it still does what the story needs it to do, but at a cheaper price. Um, and I think that's the creative creative challenge and and that's what makes producing interesting to some people so it's 4 a.m what does a day in the life of an ad look like at 4 a.m till like i don't know 4 p.m midnight i don't know <laughs> tell you tell me yeah 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 um so second ad uh okay so i'll, I'll focus on second ad because um i've uh, gotten a lot of requests uh from um, people wanting to, who are curious about the position, uh, especially in prep. As a second AD, you're working in prep and during the shoot. Uh, in prep, um, what a day in the life looks like for me, and you know, other second ADs, please go on this uh, podcast or go on the podcast Instagram and correct me or whatever if you want. But or um, add what your I do, own advice. Okay, because all advice can exist, can coexist. Absolutely. Um, so what I uh, what I do as a second in prep is depending on how many weeks and how big the show is, the things that you have to do is schedule fittings for actors. Um, a lot of the times the costume team will be really good and do that for you. You just have to make sure it's happening. Sometimes you don't have to actually do the job, but making sure that it's getting done and that it's done is part of your job. So setting up fittings, reading the script, um, breaking it down so that you are aware of what kind of props you need or what uh, kind of like photos or playback elements um, are in the script. Usually the art department will have a breakdown of that uh, as well. But um, what I like to do is to go through the breakdown that they give and uh, helping them find anything that they may have missed. Another thing is, uh, the main thing is to help the first AD with his prep. Because his prep is all about schedules, right? Like creating schedules and um, uh, talking to the director and DP about like timings and um, making sure that each day is doable. As a second, what you want to do is know as much as the first AD does so that you're able to 
catch anything that he might miss. In that sense, you're kind of working as a team. Reading the script a few times, you know, that takes a few days. And, uh, you know, being in meetings, for example, um, with all the different departments and taking notes for your first AD, because oftentimes what happens is your first AD is uh, the one doing all the talking or communicating with the, the people. And so um, to alleviate the work from him, if you take notes for him, then that way he has something to refer to. That's the kind of idea. Um, it's just in prep, you're helping the first AD prep, being his right-hand man, basically, uh, or a woman. Oh, uh, you're also in charge of the prep memo in uh, prep, which is basically the schedule of each day in prep and uh, basically the whole week, scheduling meetings and all of that. Um, so you're in charge of the schedule for the ADs and the director and the cast, essentially for everyone, basically, um, so that you can write down this information uh, on the prep schedule. And then, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you are also a part of the tech survey, which is uh, going to different locations and uh, with all the different departments. And when you're on the tech survey, what you're in charge of is making sure you have everyone there. Other than tech survey, you're also um, in charge of uh, making sure everyone's at the production meeting, um, which is now usually on Zoom. After the production meeting, you uh, prep your call sheets. The bigger the show, the more that your job is dedicated to the call sheet. The, the really big budget shows will have one second AD for the call sheet and one second AD to run the set. When you're working on Hallmarks, though, you're in charge of both. And what I mean by that is you're in charge of the call sheet. That's still your main priority. However, you're also in charge of helping the first AD get through the day. And whether that means setting background or getting cast members, if the tad's um, not there, that kind of idea. How did you find time to like balance your full-time job as a second, this podcast and other creative endeavors? I feel like I haven't really been creative other than with this podcast and with um, my producing work uh, uh, in the last couple of years. And I think uh, with this podcast, um, I was only able to do it because, you know, you helped me so much with the actual promoting and stuff of it. Um, uh, the promoting, the, the newsletter, you know, the Instagram, like um, you, I wouldn't have been able to carry this podcast through without you. And to everyone else on our team too. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. But <laughs> uh, and to everyone else on our team as well. Um, like you know, Rihanna who edits the project, like uh, Josh who like helped me conceptualize what the look of of this project would be. Uh, Peter who does the music. But yeah, like I and you know, of course, Mike who comes over to do the voiceover for the podcast to just add that extra flair. But I wouldn't be able to do any of it without without a team. And I that's something that I definitely learned doing this project. How much further a person's idea can go with a team than just by themselves. So I think finding a good team and having the team be on the same page um, as you is incredibly important. Yeah, being selective over your team. Mm -hmm. 
being selective over your team. Uh, yeah, that that's that a luxury. Is a that's definitely a luxury. Um, it's it's really hard, really challenging um, finding the right people, and and you know it's not just because you know people are bad people or whatever. It's it's more just how the workflow works. Some people are accustomed to certain things and other people's are, people are not. And just finding the right people that flow with you is, um, I think that's the challenge. Yeah, for sure. So after two whole seasons and all that learning, what are now your goals when working in the film industry? I think my goal now is to keep up this community um this this concept of community and and building up the the Vancouver community so that people in Vancouver support the filmmakers of Vancouver we need more of that yeah i feel like we definitely need more of that um the idea of that really excites me uh you know similar for example like if you look at Quebec's industry um, they they have such a strong industry because the people who watch films coming from Quebec are people in Quebec. They they support their own uh, province, and I think trying to find that same support in Vancouver is something that I'm really passionate about. That I'm interested in exploring, um, and of course, I want to continue, like you know, making my own films and making my own projects. I, I don't necessarily like want to be considered a director or a writer or anything. I don't necessarily want that label, but I think I just want to be able to tell stories that I'm passionate about. And is there anything you want to say to your listeners after two seasons? Anything I want to say to our listeners? Um, definitely. Of course, uh, thank you everyone for being interested in this project and being interested in this podcast and wanting to learn um, about what people do in the film industry other than just directing, other than just like the... Writer, director. Yeah, actor. writer, director, actor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, for the people that like have been constantly engaging in the Instagram. Thank you. Thank you for engaging with us and, and letting us know that you guys are out there and excited about what we have to say. That validation is incredibly important um, to creatives. And you know, I'm sure we all, we all know that. Like the, the validation, knowing that the art and the, the projects that you put out there is making a difference is literally why we do it. Um, so thank you all for actually listening and engaging. Thank you. Now I would like to end off with questions that you ask your guests at the end of every episode. <laughs> oh no. I like to start off with some rapid fire questions. What's the worst advice you were ever given? Uh, worst advice I was ever given was... The film industry is a very unstable job and you should find something else. Alrighty. What's the best advice you were ever given? Best advice I was ever given uh, that I haven't shared and I'm actually still slowly learning is um, don't work 
let me do that again. Yeah, don't work. The best work. advice, <laughs> don't work. <laughs> the best advice I was ever given was don't work on projects that you don't want to work on. Related to that is don't work in a position that you don't think is right for you. Um, don't force it in that sense. Yep, that's definitely advice for a lot of young people who want to start out. Definitely. Like, it's important to try it, but when you've tried it a few times and something's not feeling right, um, it's okay to try something else. You know, life's kind of fluid that way. What would you tell your younger self before starting in this industry? You have to keep working and don't be discouraged by the failures or the, the losses. If you are really invested and really interested in what you're doing, keep doing it. And final question, in your opinion, what does a more diverse film industry look like? <laughs> uh, what does a more diverse film industry look like? If I can walk into a room um, or if I can walk on the tech survey and have more than just a couple of people that I feel familiar with um, who are BIPOC uh, and the producers are very supportive of our voices and our stories, that's when I, that's what a more diverse film industry looks like to me. I think we're getting there, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah, but we're on our way and that's the good thing. So, Andy, where can people find you? Do you have social media or anything? Oh, yeah. You can uh, follow us on uh, at BIPOC credits uh, on Instagram. Okay. And what about you? <laughs> uh, for me, you can follow me uh, on Andy Social, which you can find uh, at the BIPOC credits uh, Instagram as well. All right. Awesome. All right, folks, that is the end of season two. It is a wrap. Thank you, Andy, for being on the show with BIPOC Credits with Andy Wong, hosted by Nightingale for this episode. Thanks for listening to BIPOC Credits by Andy Wong. This episode was produced by Nightingale. Our editor is Rihanna Toy. Graphics by Joshua Lamb. Theme music by Peter Robinson and Patrick Fiore. Intro and outro voiceover by Mike Lee. Thank you to our community partner, Culture Brew. Dot art for supporting us. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at BIPOC Credits. If you're enjoying what we're doing here and subscribe to our newsletter to get all the juicy information we didn't quite get to in this podcast. Thank you once again for listening to BIPOC Credits. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.